welcome to another week and another episode of A Whole Mood. This week, we're going to do part three of our family edition for the month. This week's guest is someone absolutely near and dear to me. He's more like a brother from another mother, shall I say. Someone just so close to my heart. From the very beginning, we had like this affinity that was just so unspoken of. And it's so crazy because we went to all the same schools except for university. I followed him maybe three years after, and I promise you, like, every school that I went to, it was like, do you know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know who that is, but how you know who I know who that is? Because why would you even be telling me I'm, like, <laughs> reminding you of this person? Is my brother, my friend, Roderick. Hi, Roderick. Hey, Alon. How are you? I'm good. I'm really just like, I don't know. I'm on edge because, I don't know, this topic is going to be a lot. Also. This Virgo season is kicking my ass. I got so many Virgo friends, and you know, they like to celebrate their birthday. And It's a celebration. <laughs> Every time you link up with your friends, it's a celebration, okay? Birthday it or is, not. It's it in the is. middle of a pandemic. You got to do what you got to do. In the middle of a pandemic. And that's the truth, because I, I don't be out here. So when I do get out there... You go hard. I have to do it for my friends. <laughs> I really do. And I be paying for it afterwards goodness how was your weekend my weekend was good i pretty much worked basically i worked all weekend but you know mm -hmm. i'm off next weekend so hopefully i can get some things okay. done have a little fun have a couple drinks you know i ain't gonna be out for real for real but you know at right. home in the house <laughs> on the couch with my glass <laughs> so this week, we're going to talk about being a caretaker or caretaking. I think we touched on it just a little bit last episode where I stated that generations, the gaps are like widening even more. And I feel like it's now becoming more of a focal point. We are entering our generation, the millennial generation. We are entering the caretaker phase much earlier yes. than prior generations yes. where you would expect, you know, to be 50 and taking care of your parent right. or anybody. Like now that shit is happening like you in your 20s, in your 30s because your mom and dad had you like at 30, 40. Right. You know, they actually planned you. You and know what I'm saying? I don't think I was planned. I'm going to say that. Uh <laughs> I, was, uh, too. I don't yeah. think I was playing, but um, my parents were a little older. Um, well, not too much older, but my dad was about 39. He, he was 39 and my mom was 35. So I was the last mm -hmm. of three. I don't think they planned it. I think I just kind of happened, but yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Same thing. I was the last of three. My mama had me at 32, and I think my daddy was 36. Okay, okay. And I, I was for sure a uh, uh-oh baby. They shouldn't have had the two that they had. <laughs> and I really just came 12 and 10 years later like, hi. And it was so crazy because what my sisters always tell me how it happened, because, you know, they stayed in Mobile all their life. My late sister, when she was asked, did she want a sibling or a brother, she was like, no. <laughs> and my oldest sister was kind of like, oh, I don't care. You know, that's just typical. That's very on brand of my sister. They literally like was asked on phone. And then next thing you know, my mom showed up pregnant. So my late sister always told me like, well, I mean, what was the point of asking me? Like, wow. <laughs> well, my situation, yeah. of course, they didn't plan to have me, but my dad actually didn't mind. And he actually wanted more after me. But my mm. mama was like, no, the shop closed. Wow. <laughs> I think she wanted a daughter 
And after three attempts, she got three sons. And she was like, you know what? I'm cool with that. My dad was like, hey, we can yeah. keep trying if you want to. She was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Getting into this, I think the first prompt I want to say is, what are your thoughts on dealing with the health decline of parents at a young age? Well, it's very crazy. So, like, right now, my dad is in his early 70s. And my mom is in her late 60s. They have always been pretty healthy people their entire lives. Now I'm just getting into having to do much more from a distance because, of course, I live in Atlanta and my parents, they still live in Mobile. It's becoming a bit difficult, especially with that distance between us. But I never expected at the age I am now, 33, that I would be having to deal with this right now. So it's crazy. It's crazy. But I'm just taking it day by day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely comes out of left field. And it's so unplanned because medical reasons like 60, 70 is kind of young. Right. It is young, especially because, you know, in my profession, I do work with seniors and I've seen yeah. people live a full healthy life until they're 90. So I know it's possible not everybody is meant to, to get to 99. One of the seniors in particular, we just celebrated her home going last week and she was 94. It gives me something to look forward to. Like, I don't feel like, oh, you know, 70 is really old. When you see people 70, you know, they looking more like 50 year olds these days. You, of course, yeah. back then, back in the day, 70 was really old. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think, you know, just my experience, even just these past couple of years, um, since I moved to New York, as you guys know, I've lost my grandmother. I've lost my grandfather. I've lost my aunt unexpectedly. I then lost my sister as of like, I think it's been a year now. And it's so crazy because I came to your house after I visited him. I lost my dad. Yeah. I just looked at the whole situation just thinking about all these people I've lost in the span of six years. And I'm like, I'm too young to be going through this. <laughs> right. I totally agree. It's like you, you just never plan for these things. Like you expect to be, like you said, 50 or above when all of these things start taking place. Like, I, you really think that people are going to be there for the younger part of your life. And people are leaving here. And then we have this pandemic, more people are leaving here. So, yeah. And then also keeping in mind, like, Black men are actually dying. We had Greg Leakes, who died because yeah. of colon cancer. And that's a real killer for us. Men right. really need to go get their colonoscopies and all of that stuff. Like, I really stress that. And especially me, because my granddaddy died of prostate cancer and my dad died of prostate cancer. So yeah. as I like peer into this next segment of my life and I start, you know, I get this offer letter soon. I'm really on some health care, self-care shit. Like I really have to emphasize how much I really want to be on top of my health because of those reasons. Like we are really dying at 50 and 60. It's so many black men yeah. that's dying so early now. That's sad. And you know what? I stay on top of my dad as a 71 year old, soon to be 72 in October. Mm -hmm. I stay on him about his health because you know, he has to be there for my mom. He has to still be there for people in our family. And so it's very important for me to remind him and you know, stay abreast on what's going on with him as far as his medical health. Yeah. How do we reflect on our life while experiencing 
these things with our parents or loved ones. Like I'll say for me, for example, I have like two examples on like different scopes of it. So I feel like for my dad, when he was declining, it showed me it's all about choices. And I feel like once you in that state, you realize what choices you made, whether they good or bad, when you in that state. The fearful part of me is like being in that state and I'm by myself. And I realized I prioritized a lot of stuff outside of actually making connections with people. So I don't ever want to be in a situation where like, I need people at this state, but I don't have nobody around. And I feel like with my dad, a great example of, you know, somebody who really just lived life and did things on his own accord, he was by himself for the most part. And I believe he died alone, like in that house. Mm -hmm. And I think he realized I wasn't shit and I wasn't shit to nobody. And Mm -hmm. I don't deserve to have somebody wiping my ass. I think when he got to that point, he really was just like, y'all just don't even worry about me. He was like, don't even worry about me. Wow. The only thing that he requested of us, myself and my sister and my mom was like, he just wanted to see his grandkid just to actually see that face because he didn't really see that much. Right. And he probably felt like, you know, maybe he could, well, I won't say start over because he knew that he was probably at the end of his life, but at least make an effort. Yeah, it was a lot of language like resentment, even towards Mm. my mom, like I would hear. And I think with me, it was different. I don't know what his whole thing was about me. I got so angry because the minute he saw me, he blamed me for him being in that state. Oh, wow. That's interesting. (laughs) He blamed me for being in that state because of a conversation that we had prior to him being like literally bedridden. I was just coming from a place of just absolute care because he didn't realize how impactful his life was to us, regardless if mm-hmm. we were in a part of his life or he saw us as a part of his life or not, you still our dad or you still, you know, married to or connected to us in some way. So you can't be out here and having fucking piss bags attached to you and then renting a car and going to North Carolina to go to casino. Why are you doing that? And I'm like, you need to be taking better care of yourself. And he was like, well, I only got one life and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, you literally sleeping in your car because you too cheap to get a hotel room, at least at this hotel. Listen, I have family members like that, so I, I can I can relate and I can understand. And with my sister and her caretaking process, it was like a mirror to me. And it's always been mm-hmm. consistent with her that way because her being the middle child, she lived on to that stereotypical middle child situation. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the choices that she made, I learned from them. And that was like my final lesson from her. Like, who you choose as a partner really determines like how well or bad your caretaking situation gonna be. Make sure you choose a partner that actually really do care about you. You know what? I really believe that because, Mm -hmm. you know, when I look at my mom, full disclosure, she's dealing with early onset Alzheimer's which is dementia, a form of memory loss. I've just watched my dad take care of my mom and they've literally been probably been married 40 plus years. It's just amazing to see. I mean, like sometimes I feel heartbroken. Sometimes I feel happy because it's just like, wow, y'all made a decision to get married and it was until death do us part. And I actually see this 
taking place before my eyes. My daddy don't play by my mama. And I just think that's amazing. And I hope that one day I can have the same thing, you know, because we never know what's going to happen. And like you said, so we have to really pick and choose to be with someone who really cares and really loves us because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We didn't expect this to happen to my mom. Probably out of anybody in my family, she would be the last person. You know, Mm -hmm. she was a nurse, a registered nurse. She was big on taking care of yourself, played a big role in how I live my life. You know, um, the things that I eat, the things that I do, you know, it came mostly from her. And to see that happen to someone who was so pro-health and active and taking care of their family and doing all the things that they're supposed to do and expected to do, and to see a decline like that happen is crazy. It is mind-blowing. But my dad has been there every step of the way. He loves that lady, okay? And I'm just so happy that she has him in her life, especially me being four and a half, five hours away. Yeah. When my sister was in Birmingham post her surgery, her husband was not like that. She had the choice to go to Atlanta and do rehab to get her mobility back up and to Mm -hmm. breathe right. Like you really have to learn all those things again. He kind of bullied her and talked her out of going to Atlanta. And he told her that she was going to be there by herself, feeding on her fear of not wanting to be alone. It was all a money thing Mm. for him. And it had nothing to do with him actually caring about her life. I don't want to go too harshly and say, like, I blame him. I don't want to do that. And I don't want to cry. But I just feel like, you know, that was like my final lesson with her. Because it just made me like, don't be just out here just choosing anybody. Love comes in so many layered ways. People can love you, but they don't love you enough to take care of you like when you're down and out. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's a caption. Put that on the shirt. Right. Don't be out here just choosing anybody. Yeah. So much hurt when it comes to that because I feel like had she had somebody or she chose somebody who genuinely cares for her, I feel like her recovery Mm -hmm. process would have been far different. Far different. It's so many situations I feel like he put her in and it was just not right. Like she really feared for her life because it was at one point like he ended up taking her home and having her do home care and he didn't have nothing set up for her to do home care. I think a tube pack came out. He literally grabbed her with his arms trying to put her in the car. Like she been she been in a hospice bed. How do you do that? And she connected to out. It was ridiculous. It, he was just a buffoon, honestly. I hate to insult people on here because that's not what this is all about. But I, right. I that's my opinion of I him. I hate for that happening. Yeah, I feel like that would have impacted her had she really had somebody who had some damn sense and who actually cared for her well-being. It just made me like look at myself, especially in the situation that I was in, because I was just ending it with my last situation and like. I promise you, it was like a mirror. I was like, that was like a closing door. I didn't see that happening for me. I also have friends that they want to be alone. (laughs) That kind of blows my mind because it's like, how do you prior plan? Right. When you think about those things, like those are things that I actually think about. Like, Mm -hmm. what's the long term? Like, what is my life going to look like when I'm 50, 60, 70? Who's going to be by my side at those stages of my life. Like you said, you can't be out here choosing anybody. I can understand why people would say they want to be alone. Some people just want, don't want to deal with it. Some people don't have the, the capacity to deal with it. Some people yeah. don't have the patience to deal with, you know, having a family or having a relationship. I think it's okay 
for some people. But mm-hmm. I'm with you. Like I don't I don't want to be alone. <laughs> like that's not my end goal. Yeah. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. And in terms of caretaking, like I feel like I'm kind of like in the middle of that spectrum. I know I could rise to the occasion if I'm around, but I think mm-hmm. just in the phase of my life, I feel like I was cheated in some way dealing with all this stuff because it's like I'm far away from home. Like I'm trying to make a name for myself and I'm in the stage where I have to figure shit out for myself. So to juggle some form of guilt because I'm not there, Mm -hmm. but also try to make a life for myself because that's just the stage that I'm in. Like I'm literally just entering my thirties, the twenties, you really, that was, that's supposed to be your time. Like you have to figure stuff out. I, I really just felt like I was like, I'm too young for this. So how do you feel having to structure your life and make a foundation for your own life and then juggling these um, caretaking responsibilities? It's a hassle, but I will say that, I mean, my my dad does an amazing job. First of all, I would say you're very far from home. You're in New York. Yeah, It's a little easier for me because I can just hop in my car and drive home if I need to drive home, if it's that important for me to do so. But my dad tries not to guilt trip me or do things like that when it comes to me coming home. I'm actually planning to go home at the beginning of October for his birthday. But he tries, he says, you know what? You don't, don't worry about it. We got it. But I'm like, nah, dad, you know, I'm going to be there if you need me to be there. Luckily, I have a, a older brother who lives just about 10, 15 minutes away from them. He's not as intuitive, I guess, as I am. He doesn't ask a lot of questions. He doesn't. Take initiative. You know, he will go and visit them and he will make sure they're okay. And, you know, my dad is independent. He can do whatever he wants to do. But I ask more questions. I ask about doctor's visits and medications and how your day is going and what is it that you need. Uh, I think you should do this. I think you should talk to an attorney about this. I think you should plan for this, you know. And my brother's like, what? I don't know anything about that. (laughs) So far, it's been pretty easy for me to balance my life as far as being a long distance caregiver because my dad is pretty able there are a lot of things that he doesn't know because of uh, the age but he's not really tech savvy so if there are things that he has to do either me or myself or my brother will have to help him but i've been balancing pretty well alzheimer's is progressive it's getting a little harder for him, so I'm thinking that I'm going to have to step in a bit more, and that's basically what I'm going to start doing when I go visit next month. I'm going to start inserting myself even more. And what does that look like? For me, it looks like going home a, a bit more. <laughs> okay. Putting my eyes on them a bit more. It's one thing to talk on the phone and one thing to be there in person and see them. You know, my dad, he's going to paint the picture that everything is okay on the phone and then you dig a little deeper and you find out oh this is going on that's going on so for me it looks like going home a, a little more spending more time engaging with them more so how many friends we know have dealt with losing a parent or have already dealt with a decline of a parent one of my best friends that i've been friends with for probably over 25 years my longest running friend i'm 33 so you know that's a long time for a 33 year old Mm -hmm. Uh, we've been friends since i was five she lost her parent her dad um in february of 2020 I believe it was right before 
or it was March. I don't know. It was around that time, 2020, early, right when the pandemic was first getting started. She's pretty much the only person that I know that lost a parent um, recently. Um, most of my friends, they either have both of their parents at this age or um, if they lost a parent, they weren't very close with their parent. So it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, something that was a big deal for them. But yeah. A lot of my close friends had already had lost their dads, like at a very young oh, age. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so my opinion of my dad being around them, like I always like didn't say anything because I can recognize how ungrateful that could be. But then, you know, they were very much a support system when I lost my sister. And then when I lost my dad, because, you know, they were there to understand and they they would, you know, give me pointers on like how to cope better. Um, But I Mm -hmm. I will say specifically with my dad, I only had like one night where I was just absolutely angry. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was just angry just at the fact that I just felt like his mark on what he did, it just wasn't enough. I remember that too. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I was so upset and I cried for one night and then after that, I just let it go and I did what I had to do. And me and my sister, we had to plan like his digital arrangement and services. But I would say like having friends, it definitely helps because they've been there, you know, and they know the necessary conversations to say, you know. And of course, um, I still have both of my parents, but, you know, I go through a lot of hard times dealing with this transition that my mother is going through because she's definitely not the same person and definitely right. not the, the mom that I thought I would have at this stage in my life. So there are friends and I think there are people who really support me and help me and check on me and make sure I'm okay because sometimes it gets pretty bad for me. You know, just just thinking about the fact that my mom doesn't call me and say, hey, what are you doing? Or, hey, I need you to do this. Or, did you hear about Miss Shirley? You know, you know, you know, I, that's what I expected that I would have. I would probably say that I went to my mom for advice for anything more so than my dad. And now mm-hmm. the tables have turned and I depend more on my my dad things that I probably would go to my mom for mm-hmm. and so it's it's very different it's very challenging for me um I have my days you know where I'm just I can't believe it like it's like you know you're living in a dream like how could mm-hmm. this be my mom like when I go there and our conversations aren't the same um sometimes she can't remember my name and that really hurts you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so but I know it's not intentional and I know you know I'm trying not to make it about me but it hurts and having that friend having friendships and people around to support and talk to I even have um a co-worker who who checks on me all the time I call her my work mom she helps me a lot she she even teaches a caregiving class um at, at our job so yeah, I have the support and it, it's very beneficial. Friends and, and people to support you is very beneficial. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on to reflection question. Question one, should children take care of their parents? I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think that it's a, it should be an obligation that a child should take care of a parent. A parent is supposed to take care of a child. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. 
But I feel like if your parents, even if they didn't do what they were supposed to do, I feel like if your parents took care of you, then you should take care of them to the best of your ability. You know what I mean? Like, for example, and I think I told you this story before, but my dad's dad did not raise him. My great aunt raised my dad because my dad's mom died probably before he turned one years old. So he never really got to know his mom. He also never really got to know his dad as a child. But once he became an adult, I knew my grandfather. And when I was a child, I never knew that they didn't have a relationship when he was a child. And he didn't hold a grudge against my grandfather because he didn't take care of him. Now, my dad's sister did she didn't talk to him pretty much my whole life i don't ever remember her engaging with him at all she just didn't she didn't let it go but he did and my granddaddy died probably a few years ago i think he was probably 90 or 91 and my dad pretty much took care of him and made sure that he had everything that he needed until his dying day even paying for the funeral services and all it just made me feel like if he could do that for someone who didn't really care for him as a child then I should probably try my best because my dad did everything he possibly could do for me like he is my favorite person and I think you know that I always talk positively about my dad like because a lot of people didn't have that experience, especially with, you know, I don't want to shade black fathers because I totally have a wonderful example of a black father. But, you know, a lot of people that I knew growing up, family and friends didn't have their fathers in their lives or for one reason or another. I'm trying to think of, yeah, I... I feel like if you can, then you should. Yeah. But if it's like completely out of bounds for where you are in your life, I feel like the best I could do for me is facilitate. So if I know somebody who could be of assistance, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like at the end of the day, you can do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you said, you can facilitate. You might not be able to spend the time. You're in New York. I'm in Atlanta. They're in you know, the Carolinas, Alabama Mobile, you know what I'm saying? But you can, you can do something. You can make a phone call. It doesn't have to be monetary. You can do something to assist. Of course, I'm going to try to do much more. (laughs) But I I think mm, overall that... (laughs) I think my experience with my dad jacked me up because like when he told me what he told me, like I ain't go back. And my sister and my mom, they went back probably every month after that. I did not go back. And I can understand that because I think if I was in your shoes, that I would probably feel the same way. You know, I probably might be a little more cutthroat than you. (laughs) Yeah, I really, and you know what? I didn't say anything to him because it didn't hit me when he said it, but it hit me Mm -hmm. when I got in the car. But what I did do, I made sure I was a transport for my mom and my sister. Like when I told you I drove down them dark, black, dark roads in South Carolina back and forth. (laughs) so much yeah i didn't go back because i'm not paying 500 600 on the flight you know every month i That's literally not... remember you telling me these words yeah i remember i remember this yeah that was it for me that i was, was like alun are you sure are you sure and you, you was know, like no i'm good mm-hmm. <laughs> and i took my nap on your couch yes absolutely <laughs> how do you cope with a parent who requires caretaking you know what that's something actually that i'm still learning if i may be honest 
Like I have been keeping myself very busy. And that is one of the things that I guess is a coping mechanism for me. Of course, I I work two jobs. You know, I have my own home and I'm doing all of these different projects because I don't like to be idle because when I'm idle, I do tend to think about those things more. I do tend to think about my mom and her decline and what's going on in Mobile. Or do I need to be there? What can I do? Who can I contact? So those are one of the that's one of the things. But I think that I should probably find a better avenue of coping. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I have been thinking about is therapy. Um, I've never done therapy before. Um, everybody always praises therapy. I'm not one of those type of people who say, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need therapy. I think therapy is great. I've seen it help a lot of people. And I'm like, hmm, if it can help you, maybe it can help me. Mm-hmm. You know, so those that's one of the things that I've been thinking of. But so far, my coping mechanism has just been keeping myself busy, keeping my hands in something, you know. I don't know. I'm so middle ground with therapy. I mean, I definitely praise it for people because you never know what people may require. But mm-hmm. I say for me, like, it's great to talk. Yes. And it's great to say yes. things out loud. Yes. So if that's what therapy is supposed to do. And and honestly, some people need accountability and some people need to hold their self accountable. And maybe therapy is great for that as well. But I think I've come <laughs> packaged with that already because I don't like to fester on things. I, I just want to like declare what it is and move on. And then also I'm very private. And me and you are very much like the same like that. We are very private people. So it's so weird for me to be telling somebody my business. I think that is so strange. And I never know what to talk about. Each session that comes, I'm like, I don't know, like what's going on? And I think you know that I'm super private because Mm -hmm. when you reached out to me, you were like, I don't know if you're going to do this or not. I'm like, do what, Alon? You ain't even said what it is. He was like, I don't know, because you might not. You right. know, hey, I, I don't, to I don't sure. let too many people in. I do not right. let too many people in. Right. Yeah, I didn't like what I You said. know, I'm always trying to protect my peace. Right, exactly. And that's what I knew. I was like, this is very personal. I'm like, right. He mm-hmm. is, I know the things that right, but I would never be trying to put this shit out in the open, you know? Right. Yeah, so. I had to like, but I feel like it was a good thing. I feel like yeah. it was a good thing because when my mom started going through this, I realized, and when I started working with seniors, I realized that there are so many people dealing with this, mm-hmm. and I just didn't realize it. And I almost felt like this career that I'm working with uh, the senior population, I almost felt like it was kind of preparing me. Because, you know, I've been in this for Since you moved years. to Atlanta. Yeah, I've yeah. been in this for eight years. And I never even thought being in college or in high school that I would ever work with seniors. I remember my college advisor telling me to take some geriatric class at Alabama State University. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm not interested. <laughs> but then I get out of college and I'm working with seniors. And I actually really enjoy it. I really like it. They have a lot to teach. They have a lot to give. And just because you over the hill, it ain't over. I hear you. So, like, what over. is something that y'all do for seniors for the people that, you know, in the room? a lot of things actually mm-hmm. i mean we have like 16 senior centers we have like four multi-purpose facilities we have therapeutic pools we have an array of classes i'm, I'm actually over virtual programming for my job and we have over like 100 virtual programming classes and people they didn't even know that seniors got on the computer 
and know how to use Zoom and know how to use iPhones and Androids. And we teach those kind of classes. Um, we have art classes. We have travel clubs. We have shift. Keeping the scene. It's crazy. Coming from Mobile, I didn't see that. And I don't think I don't think Mobile has anything like that. And Mobile of all <laughs> places needs to have these things because people retire and go to Mobile. Look, people stay in Mobile yes. and they be going old and yes. gray in Mobile. I really feel like Mobile needs to get on this for real. They really do. I, honestly, for my aunts, especially for my mom now that she's retired, like they need something to do. And people really honestly think when I'm like, oh yeah, I work with seniors. We have these multi-purpose facilities and we have these senior centers. People are like, oh. So everybody's just playing bingo. Uh, no. <laughs> these people, these people will dance around you in circles. Period. I'm trying to tell you, we have like an Olympics and everything. You ought to see them. Mm. They swimming faster than me and you. <laughs> I'm amazed every time at the art that they showcase, just their talents, just music, everything. It's like it's not over. You still have so much to give in your senior years. How does being a caretaker impact your life? I would say that it impacts my life. It's a stressful thing for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, I think about daily. So I want, I, I'm not going to say that it's a, a positive impact. <laughs> yeah, that's for it's, sure. It's, it's really hard. It's, a, it's really a hard thing. To deal with. I mean, of course, I don't have any children or a spouse or anything like that. So I've never had to worry about taking care of someone else. You know what I mean? And so when I go home and I literally have to treat my mom like a child or give her things or sit next to her when she's eating, it is crazy. And I, I know I use that word a lot, but it's just, I just can't believe it. I think for me, it, it was tough just in the spectrum. Like, I really be feeling guilty for not being there. Because I know had I been there, I would have been, you know, boots on the ground. I get the guilt, too. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it came doubly because when all of these things were happening in, in regards to my sister specifically, my older sister really stepped up all while juggling her sister's kids and her own kids and having a husband and and a job and you know being the parent that's super active and it was just a lot and then even with my mom who was still working at the time like she was working at Walmart so if she's not working then you know she not making no money and it's only so much PTO you could take it's only so much sick leave you can take going all the way to Birmingham to care mm-hmm. for your child. But, you know, as my mom, she going to do that. You know, that's what she going to do, even if she ain't working. Like, that's that's just who she was. So it was, like, so hard for me to be here and just be living my day-to-day in New York. And they are literally dealing with the everyday struggles of caring for somebody. And that was so hard for me to think about that and it made me feel it does make me feel guilty it makes me feel guilty I can agree with that and you know like I said my brother is there but he doesn't he he's not gonna do the things that I would do and so it's just it's hard like I I really do wish that I was there said my dad's like listen you gotta live your life and that's another thing that I appreciate about him because he's not someone that 
is going to try to put things on you yeah. or make things harder for you or give you something that you know you can't bear. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. Yeah, because I remember talking to you one time. Like, I was, like, literally on the street in New York crying, talking to you because I was like, I don't know. I was just talking to my cousin, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, when are you coming home? And I'm like, what? And so I had to talk to my mom. I was like, don't worry about it, alone. Like, you are doing what you need to be doing. So just like your dad, my mom is very much the same way. Yeah. And you just made me think it's hard. And when I actually do go to Mobile to help out or visit, it's always so hard when I leave. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest part. And I think one time I was talking to you and I was driving home and you were like, well, you know what's going on? I was passing through Atmore. You know, Mm -hmm. you always always know when you're at Atmore because you see the casino. Right. And I just broke down crying. I was just like, yeah, you know, (laughs) and you was like, oh, my God, like, it's okay, but it's just, that's how it makes me feel to leave them, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying, because I feel like I would help so much if I was there, but I can only do what I can do. This episode, Jesus, I think you (laughs) tapped on this, how helpful are siblings when it comes to caretaking, because you have two. I do have two siblings and like I'm not trying to shade my my no, my older sure. brother because he goes by there he makes sure they're good that's just not who he is as far yeah, as and you I know. think a guy you don't ever think like yeah. being a caretaker anyway unless you had that nurturing right. whole thing about you guys typically aren't the best caretakers to Yeah and so I'm actually very happy right. for what he does do because mm-hmm. at least I know that they're on the surface good Nothing's going to happen to them today. You know, they're good. But like my older brother, I we get nothing. Oh, wow. <laughs> the oldest brother, we don't get much from him at all. Like no visits, caretaking, none of that, you know. And he has his own things going on with him. We don't blame him. We don't bash him or whatever. But because like I said, it's not really the, the child's responsibility to take care of the parent. It's the parent's responsibility to raise their children. You know, I don't go off on on any tangents or get really frustrated with him. I just do what I can. Between me and my middle brother, we make it happen. Yeah. I'm pressuring myself so much like in my next phase is because after experiencing my dad and me being unemployed and me trying to figure out like what I'm doing with my life, like that took a toll out of me because I wasn't able to really like do anything that you supposed to do. We're not even responsible for that because my mom is still alive. She's supposed to be doing that. Mm -hmm. But I think that's another conversation to be had when you have a parent that don't know the ins and outs about how funeral services go, where the Mm -hmm. insurance, like my mama did not know. My sister took the lead in all of that after dealing with it with so many times prior to my dad, because that's just who my sister is. But it was crazy how my sister took the lead in that when my mama should have been dealing with that. I just, I really don't like that. Oh my God, I'm about to cry again. Um, I don't like that my sister takes all that on. And then yeah. also to raise those four kids. Like that's a lot. And that's a lot. And like, I just wish One I could help One kid is more. a lot. Right, exactly. And I wish I could help more. But it's just like, I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with. What I'm dealing with is super real as well. And yes, it is. I just have to give myself grace. I really do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, because I don't like to be that sibling that don't do nothing. Because that's not who I am, you know? Right. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> what has caretaking your parent taught you? <sighs> it has taught me to really appreciate life. Because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What happened to my mom? 
can really happen to anyone. There's not a lot of research. There's no cures. There's not any medicines or anything that can reverse this type of memory loss. I feel like it has taught me to appreciate my life better or more and to really take care of myself. You can't decide whether you're going to get cancer or dementia or diabetes or any of that thing, but you can make decisions and you can do your best. I think that health is a priority in this life and my mom instilled that in, in me. So I feel like that's one thing that I've learned and that's one thing that I'm going to stand on to the best of my ability. Now I'm going to enjoy my life, but I'm going to try to make the best decisions for me so that I can live a long and healthy life. Yeah. Dealing with all of this, like, it's definitely much more an emphasis on, like, making sure that I go to the doctor, do my appointments. And I think the scary part for me is because my dad and my mom, they don't do that. And I think that's the scary part for my mom, for me, because I really be stressing it and my sister be stressing it, but my sister not going to do much. I think my sister is well aware that I have a more intimate relationship with my mom. And so she'll, like, try to get me to kind of emphasize more to my mom to try to, like, sway her to go. Because I do feel like the major component to my dad's early decline at, like, what, he was 66 or something like that. Because he never went to the doctor until there was a problem. The checkups matter. Exactly. And I feel like, you know, he it was way too early for him to be in a situation where his sister had to wipe his ass. Like, that was a lot. And I don't want my mom to fall into that same situation. Knowing that I have a fear for needles and knowing that, you know, me being a male, we don't really go to the doctor because of that same thing. Like, I really have to get out of that. I don't know if I ever knew that you had a fear of needles. Every time they take blood, I pass out. Intravenous needles. That is a phobia for me. I don't know what you call it. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm always telling the nurse, listen, we can do this, but I got to sit down. <laughs> no, like I pass out every time and it's really, really bad. It's really bad. Like even simple stuff. I hit my knee on the wall. I'm a pass out if it hurt bad enough. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I think mm-hmm. I probably, out of all the times that I had to get blood drawn or anything, I probably blacked out once and almost twice. But I'm not letting that stop me from going to get my blood work done, get my checkups, make sure I'm good, make sure I'm healthy, make sure I'm going to be here tomorrow. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the and truth. I hope mom. I hope mom has a change of heart and she starts going, doing what she needs to do to take care of herself and taking that stress off of you and your sister. Because mm-hmm. it's really important. All right, last question. What are ways you alleviate stress from caretaking? I would say just chilling. Mm-hmm. Finding a space for me and just existing in that space and not worrying about a lot of things that are around me. Like recently I started doing this painting. I've never really, I've always been a creative kid or whatever when it comes to like the arts and I started painting and I was like, this is the most relaxing shit ever. Like, (laughs) I guess I never really just took the time out to just do something like that because it's leisure. It's not really, you know, something that I needed to do. But when I started doing it, I was like, okay, you know, I can vibe with this. Like I could pull out me a drink and sit here and do this. And it's very relaxing and it's very stress relieving, I believe. Mm, Yeah, I'm all about rejuvenation. So I definitely, I take me a good old nap and I reset. Um, 
Yeah, and music is also therapeutic. But I think the danger for music for me, once I have like a memory embedded, like it's hard for me to get over that memory. Um, because of music. Like it's a lot of songs that I be hearing, it be reminding me of my sister, and it just set me back. Oh, I was just about to ask you, what do you mean? What do you mean? But yeah, I feel that. Cause you know, I don't know. I feel like a lot of songs just get attached to certain memories. I read something that said that scent was the closest tie to memory, but I don't know if that's true. For me, a lot of times when a song plays, it immediately takes me back to that that place. Right. You know, like, oh, like this was middle school. You know, I remember when we was doing this on the playground and this song was playing, this was the jam. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you fell in love. Somebody came out with with a love song. This was the love song for that particular time like you know you had me all food up (laughs) (laughs) well yes you guys oh my god this is like the heaviest episode oh my god tell me up and you know what i thought i was gonna be the emotional one i thought i was gonna be the one crying right this probably like my second episode me crying on here oh my god (laughs) (laughs) well you guys i hope y'all enjoy my behind bringing on the waterworks we know it's hard um we've been through it we're going through it the reward is at the end of the day is knowing that you spent time with that parent yes from the very end that's what i want to do right because to get more time in Right. And and I think the thing is what you don't want to happen when it comes to all of these things is like you feel like time has been wasted and you feel like you regret the time that you missed. And that's the most important thing. But yes, peace and love to all of y'all and blessings to, you know, y'all's caretaker or the person that needs care. Um, and I'm Alon, that's Rod, a whole mood. Mm-hmm.